Well, we've been in this series called DNA. We've been studying who we are as a church, what makes us different than other churches, what makes us different than other organizations, what makes us unique, what's our DNA. So we studied this, our, um, that we exist because we want to help lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our goal. Wherever you're at on your journey with Jesus, we want to help you grow in that journey. So we do this this way, to help you discover, to help you develop, and then to help you deploy. We want to, it's that simple. We want to help you discover Jesus. This is our avenue to do that, to help you come in here and discover who Jesus is. Now, we don't want you to stay there. We want you to develop to become a disciple of Jesus. So the development piece is very important to us. That's our small groups. That's where we encourage you to get plugged into a small group and grow in that. Then we don't want you to stay there either. We want you to deploy, do something with what you know, which is this, help somebody else discover and help somebody else develop. It's a cycle, you get that? Once you deploy, you're deploying to serve, you're deploying to help somebody else know who Jesus is and help them to develop. So we do this two ways. This is what we've talked about the last three weeks, four weeks. Um, We do this one by the word of God. That's our foundation. Last week we talked about how important the Bible is to us, the foundation of who we are, and what we do comes from the word of God. Today, it's worship. The other foundation piece of what we do here is to worship him. And it's not just about singing. It's about a lifestyle of who we are. Have you grown to that point to worship him in in everything that you do? So there's a special thing that we do here every week. And that's to remember what Christ did for us. We've got some guys that are ready to serve communion to us. And I want to prepare your hearts for this. We're going to take communion next It's a time to remember what Christ did for us. And what he did for us was he changed us. Because of his sacrifice, he changed who we are. And the Bible teaches us who we really are. Who who are you? We're children of God. We're friends with God. We're more than just conquerors. This is what the Bible teaches us. We're chosen and we're dearly loved. You can look all of these up. We're citizens of heaven. We're redeemed as a group of people. We're saints. We are a holy nation. Here's the one that we're going to set on the rest of the morning. We are priests. We're a nation of priests. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, a priest? I'm a priest? Are you kidding me? No, I can't. I I didn't go through the schooling. I can't be a priest. Yeah, you are. And it's because of what Jesus did for us that makes us a priest. And we're going to learn what it means to be a priest. But first, I want to read to you. I'm out of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, um, starting in verse 4. I want to read verses 4. There it is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And then verse 9, it says this. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's you. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That's what happens, all right? We call this worship. We come to this place to worship. We call this a spiritual house. That's, that's you, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we jump down to verse nine. It says this, but you are a chosen race. Again, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness 
and into the marvelous light. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we have been chosen. We have been called out of darkness into the light, and he calls us in to be priests for him. I think that's worthy to remember. So as these guys pass around these trays, I want you, if you're a believer in Christ and what he did for you, take a little piece of bread, a little cup of juice, and think about this for just a second. Wow, what does it mean to be a priest? And I'm so grateful that Jesus was a sacrifice for me to become that. And then we're going to unpack it here in a little bit. But you just sit there and think about that. And take it whenever you're ready. Then there should be a little place in front of the chair in front of you. You can place that empty cup when you're done. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm grateful for your gift, the gift of your son, that he came and he turned us into something completely different than what we could ever expect. May we take some time this morning to remember the sacrifice that he gave. And as we spend the rest of the morning in what we call a time of worship, a service of worship, may we be reflecting on what it means to be a priest for a king, for a king that's worthy of our praise. God, we're grateful for your son and may we remember his sacrifice. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, when it comes to this concept and this idea of worship, I love this discovery in the Bible. Um, This is one of the coolest things, I think, in this idea of worship. Um, You know, the very first time that worship is mentioned in the Bible is all the way in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 22, and some of you that are familiar with the story, I'm not going to dig into it today. Um, If you're familiar with it, great. I'll try and give a little bit here. It's when, though, it's when Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son, to God. Now, Abraham had waited years to receive the son, and God blessed him with the son, and then God came and said, I want you to, to make a sacrifice to me with your son, which God had never asked that before. He's never asked it since of anybody else, and, and it didn't happen, but here's, here's the story. So Abraham says, yes, God, I, I, I don't like this idea, but because you're God, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. So he, he took his son and his servant and a donkey and got it all ready, and they went to the mountain. And as they got to the place where he was going to sacrifice his son, he said to his servant, you stay here with the donkey. My, my son and I are going to go over here and worship. He was getting ready to go sacrifice his son, and he called it worship. Wow. Now, it didn't happen. God provided a sacrifice for him, and it's never happened since. But worship means giving something up. It means, you know, what, what am I sacrificing for the God that I trust and I love? David, there's another story of King David. He was building a, a church, a, a tabernacle, a um, place to meet, a gathering, um, a temple for God. And he wanted to bless it. So he went to a farmer to get a sacrifice. He said, hey, I would like a, a lamb. And the farmer knew who he was. He said, oh, you're King David. You bowed down to him, said, you take whichever one you want, King David. David said, no, no, I cannot, I cannot sacrifice to my God something that cost me nothing. 
means he's willing to make a sacrifice. He's willing to pay for something. Now, don't get me wrong on this, all right? This is our, also our time where we say it's our time to give back to God. We do not charge a fee to be here on Sunday mornings, right? Don't take it the wrong way. There's not a charge or a fee to be here on Sunday mornings. That's not why we do this. We do this because God says, hey, give back some of what I have given you. And, and, and are you here just because it worked out this morning? <laughs> Or is there any part of you that said, yeah, I had to make a sacrifice to worship. I had to make a sacrifice to love my God. You know, we, we pay for all kinds of things. I think we, we get into this idea, we will spend money to entertain ourselves over and over and over all the time. And we love it. And we get great entertainment when we pay for something up front. And then we come to worship God and we say, yeah, it really doesn't do anything for me. I wonder why. Sometimes I wonder why. Why doesn't the worship of God mean anything when I haven't put anything into it? And when I put something into it, man, it really comes back. So again, don't confuse this. I don't want you to give because you feel guilty right now. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to teach you about worship. Give what you expected to give today when you walked in and nothing more. But I want this to sit on you and learn from what God expects of us. Let me pray for our time um, this morning in this offering. Father, we, we give this out of grateful hearts because we trust you and we love you. And we want you to receive that well. And we want you to take these gifts and to use them beyond what we can do by ourselves, but to expand your kingdom. And we do this as a sacrifice to give back to you so that our worship is worthy of who you are. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, as, as these guys come forward, they're going to come up. Um, it's what we normally do. Usually there's some background music going on, right? They're going to pass these little bags around. And this is for those that are part of our church to give back and to trust in God with that. But I'm going to keep going here because we've got something coming up that I, I'm excited about. And maybe you're a little confused. You're like, this is really different than what we normally do here. If you invited somebody, you can tell them, yeah, this is different. First, he start talking about priesthood, and now we're all priests. Now he's talking about worship and giving and what's happening. All right, let me back up and grab all of this ideas, all of these ideas, and bring them to us this morning, and hopefully we can unpack this and you can understand it better. You know, when God consecrated the Levites, um, this was the, not the jeans that you wear, the Levites, a group of people back in the Old Testament um, that was a tribe of Israel, the, the Levites, and he gave them a responsibility and it was only for them. It was a select, specific group of people that God called out and said, I've got a special job for you. You are to be the priests. And that's cool. This is a cool deal. So if you have your Bibles, um, I would love for you to turn here. In Numbers, Numbers chapter 1, just within the first few books of the whole Bible, if you have a Bible, turn there. If you have your phone, you can get there quickly as well. Numbers chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 49. And this was his guide to the Levites to tell them what they should do as priests. He said this, verse 49, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel, because they're going to be selected as a special group of people. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony. That's a big deal. Okay, look, the tabernacle of the testimony, that's where God resides. And over all its furnishings and over all that belongs to it, they are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings and they shall take care of it and shall camp around the tabernacle. 
When the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall put them to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of testimony so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. All the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Wow, what an important job. If you were a priest during this time period, if you were part of the tribe of Levite, you got to watch over the meeting place of God. That was a job. That was the job of a priest, to watch over the meeting place of God, where God would come and reside, where the cloud would settle in. This is where God is at. You had that job of protecting that. This was a big deal, to set it up, to set the tent up, to take it down, to move it if you had to. How cool would that be, to be that person? Again, a couple books later in the book of Deuteronomy, it gives more specifics of what to do with this. I want to read you one verse out of Deuteronomy chapter 10. This is in verse 8. It talks about this. At the time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry, look at this, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you might get a little bit of a confusing idea of what that really is. What, what is that? It was the presence of God. They would take the presence of God and they would carry it, the Ark of the Covenant. They would carry it from one place to the other. And they would stand before the Lord to minister to him and then bless in his name. So this was the real specific job of a priest was to carry the Ark or this, the presence of God. Now, during our communion time, right before that, um, I read something to you out of 1 Peter chapter 2. What did it say? It said, you, you are spiritual houses. Because of what Jesus did since the time of Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross, and because of what he did for us, him coming back to life, we now are the tribe of Levite. We become the priests. If you become a believer in him, you become, look, a carrier of the presence of God. The presence of God lives in you, and you carry the, not the Ark of the Covenant, you carry the presence of God wherever you go. You're a priest, a royal priesthood. That's what he calls us. And wherever you go, you get to set up meeting places for other people to meet God. How cool is that? Do you feel the weight of that at all? Is there any of you going, wow, I I never thought about it like that, and now I'm nervous um, about carrying that around and that somebody else could meet God because of me, because I carry that presence of God. No one's ever called me a priest before either, Devin. You don't know what I really do in life. No, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a priest for him and you carry his presence wherever you go and you can set up meeting places for for other people to come to meet God. And then this is what we do as well. Then we stand before the Lord to minister. That was the other part of this verse in Deuteronomy. We minister, but we minister, look at what it says the priest does. He doesn't minister to other people. The priest ministers... To God. In, in the whole Bible, and everywhere we look throughout this book, if we were to look up worship and to try and unpack that idea of what worship is, 
Nowhere is worship identified or defined as something that we do for someone else. Nowhere is it identified or defined that we worship and it's for someone else. It's because it's not. It's only for God. It's only for God. We should only worship God. It is for God. And when we expect, when we come in here or when we expect God to give us things and when we worship, we expect to get something out of it. When we leave a worship time, we say, wow, I just didn't get it today. Um, It wasn't for you to get. And if you leave saying, wow, that was awesome. I needed that today. I wanted that. I feel great today. Then you're taking something that belongs to God. It wasn't for you. It's all about him and for him. That's our goal. That's our focus. We do try and make outsiders that come in that aren't believers in God feel comfortable by being here. So there might be things we do just a little different to make them feel comfortable, but our focus is on God. And if they get offended because we're worshiping God, then that's okay because that's what we do and that's who we are. I want to tell you a couple places where I really saw this happen in my life. It was while I was in college, Manhattan Christian College here in Manhattan. And it was two places at the same time, but completely different. One of those was at a little country church um, down on Highway 177, almost right before you get to Council Grove. It's a little church. If you've driven down there, it's a white building, a little green roof. Pleasant Ridge is the name of the church. And while I was a student at Manhattan Christian College, I was their pastor. So it was a weekend ministry. I would go down there on Sunday mornings and preach and um, do some life with them here and there. But we had averaged somewhere between 25 and 30 people on a Sunday morning. And it was a place where I saw true worship happen. We used these old red hymnals. There's still some kind of like it here that we have. If you ever want one, let me know. We've got a stack of them. We'd give you one, all right? These old hymnals. And Francis Wilson would sit down at the piano. Sorry. She just passed away about three months ago. Um, Her husband, Jiggs, would stand up in the congregation and just sing his heart out. These old hymns. He didn't care. They didn't care who was there. They didn't care what anybody else thought. They were worshiping God. That was their number one goal. And it was awesome to be a part of a worship service with about 25 people that didn't care except what God thought about them. Didn't matter the style of music. Didn't matter what it was for them. It was worship because God was their focus. At the same time, the exact same time, April and I were living in the men's dormitory at Manhattan Christian College. We were the dorm supervisors for the men. For three years, we did that. We'd never do it again. Um, But for three years, we lived in Johnson Hall at Manhattan Christian College. And every Monday night, we had what we called dorm devotions. And the girls would meet um, separately. The guys would meet just a bunch of dudes and there would be somewhere between 90 and a hundred guys that would show up to this. Some of the off campus guys would even come completely different setting than what I would experience on Sunday mornings. But on Monday nights with just a bunch of dudes, sometimes I had to tell them just to at least put on a shirt because April might show up to our devotions, right? One guy would stand up with his guitar. Maybe somebody would jump on the piano every now and then. And there were no girls to impress, just a bunch of college guys chasing after God. 
That was awesome worship. We didn't care what we sounded like, what we looked like. We were just worshiping God. Because it was for him. There's no better place to be than in the presence of God. Psalm 84, verse 10. It it says this. This is this amazing verse. I love this one. For one day in your house, one day in the house of God is better than thousands anywhere else. Thousands anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper, meaning a servant. I'd rather be a servant in God's house than to dwell than to receive the riches of any other house in the world. Better is one day worshiping God there. There's a guy by the name of Eddie Height. He, he had this quote. He said, someone has noted that when we pray, we're, we're preoccupied with our needs. At, at times when we do that, when we pray, we're like, God, this is what I need. When we praise and we give thanks, we're preoccupied with our blessings. God, thank you for what you have given me. But when we worship... We're preoccupied with God. There's a book that I've been reading. Um, The book is called How to Worship a King. And we don't live in this style of world in, in the United States. We don't have kings. So sometimes we don't know how to act in front of a king. But I love this quote that he gave. Um, It says, if worship is only music, then we can market it. You know, it has been marketed over and over and over. Christian music has been. He writes, when this happens, people become the spectators. They become consumers of worship. In other words, worship becomes a thing for the people and not for God. If worship is for the people, then the people are the objects of worship. If people are the objects of worship, then we are gods unto ourselves. He writes this in his book. He, he terms this, um, this phrase, he calls it worthship. It's kind of hard to just roll off the tongue. It doesn't sound right, right? Worthship. It means, it means this, to give something worth. That's what worship really is, is to sit back and give something worth. What is God worth? What do we do for him? The gospel message is this. The gospel message is that that Jesus did this for us. That Jesus gave his life for us. Whether the Old Testament all the way through Revelation is the gospel message of what Jesus did for us. The whole book is teaching us about Jesus. And so salvation proves what Jesus did for us. Salvation proves God's love for us. Worship proves our love for God. The cross proves how much we are worth to God and our worship proves how much God is to us. Rich Mullins, I know some of you um, might know his work and his music. If you know who Rich Mullins is, he was a guy back in the um, 70s, 80s time period that was very popular in the Christian music world and became well-known for his music, but he was very well-known for speaking out against the marketing of Christian music and how people made money off of that and became rich off of that, and they, they pushed it beyond what he was comfortable with, even as an artist in that world. And he was very outspoken against making that happen, Christian music. 
There's a quote by Rich Mullins. It's not something that he wrote in a book, but it was something that somebody else wrote down. He was on a stage one time at a church leading some worship, and he was quoted as saying this, it's quite moving to be here and to hear you all sing, and you all sing so badly. And after spending years and years doing studio work where everyone is so uptight about everything, he said, I grew up, I grew up in a church in Indiana. He said, I had Christian parents, but they never really made us go to church because I loved to go to church. <laughs> they didn't have to make us go. Why? Because church, church is where men actually sing. See, I grew up on a farm and I heard men cuss a lot. I heard men fight. I heard all kinds of things like that, but church was a place where men sang, and they sang badly, (laughs) and that was the beauty about it. That's what I loved about it. They weren't ashamed of how bad they were. I always felt that church is a place, one place in the world where you can go and not be ashamed. It's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be in the presence of a king. Have you ever thought about like like that? You're in the presence of a king today. God, our king, is in your presence. What would you do if a king walked in the door? If we lived under that style of leadership and a king walked in the door, what would you do? Well, we'd probably stand, wouldn't we? So let's do that. If you would, would you stand with me? We'd probably stand. Maybe you would even kneel. Maybe you would sing. What would you do if a king were here in your presence? Let's first of all, let's pray to our king. And here's how we're going to pray. We're going to do it all together. I'd love for you to read along with me. This is something that I want you to read out loud with me before we go into a time of singing to our king. And we're going to read the whole psalm, Psalm 100. It's not very long, but we're going to read this out loud together in our time before we sing praises to our King of Kings. And when we do, when we're done with this, we're going to open it up. There's room up here in the front if you want to come up front and stand to sing to him. If you want to come up and kneel, what is it? Where's your heart posture for the King of Kings to you? If you would read this with me, please. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Does it feel good to be in the presence of a king? Let's pray to him. Father, I'm so grateful for who you are, for what you have done for us. It's only fitting that we give back to you our praise our worship, our dedication, our devotion back to you because of who you are, being the king for us. Father, it is awesome. May we not forget it. It's in your name we pray. 
Amen. Don't be seated. We're not done yet. If you, uh, if you want some prayer, if you need somebody to pray with you, come, come find me afterwards, whether I do it or somebody on our team um, is a part of that. But there's something else in that verse out of Deuteronomy. It said we're to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, right? We're to carry that. It's, it's part of us. It's who we are, who he made us to be. We are carrying the presence of God. We're also to minister to him. We just did that. But there was a third part in that one, and it said this, that we are to bless others. I'm not sure that it's we are to do that as much as when we are carrying the presence of God, guess what? We are a blessing to others. And it doesn't stop here. It, our worship doesn't end here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. Too often, I, I know I get this feeling as well, too often when this service is over, we walk through the doors, and I've been here, I've said it before, right? That was nice. Can't wait till next week when we come back to worship. Worship doesn't end. Worship doesn't stop with this. We don't stop here. When you leave these doors, it really is just the beginning. We worship beyond this building. I, I like how Mike Root um, said it one time. He said, a Christian can no more go to worship as a fish can go for a swim. Fish don't go to swim. That's where they live. We don't go to worship because he lives within us and we're priests for him and we carry the presence of God wherever we go. Hebrews chapter 13, it tells us, therefore, let us continually, continually means we don't stop doing this. You know, it's one thing to come in here and take communion. It's another thing to live for the one who died for us. It's one thing to come in here and sing songs. It's another thing to go live for the one to whom we sing it's one thing to show up for a worship service. It's another thing to live a life of worship for him. So as you leave today, it's not over. The worship does not stop. You might be leaving this service together, but you're not leaving worship. Keep your worship going. Carry, carry the presence of God with you. Minister to him. And as you do, you will bless others. And now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God that we give glory to forever and ever. Amen. 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 God bless. Thanks for coming today.